Welcome back to the Chasing Tone Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Sarah Dietschy. So recently, I spent some time in New York City, and while I was there, I had a chance to sit down and chat with Sarah, who's a popular YouTuber and a podcaster. So Sarah shares her journey so far to get where she is today, from an electrical engineering student to a computer programming major to now a well-known YouTuber, she discusses the importance of finding your creative path and having the guts to walk on it. So Sarah is also a guitarist. She shares her influences and we discuss John Mayer quite a bit and his crazy use of wild chords. And you will probably relate to her uh, guitar center stories well. She works in the 368 Studios in New York City, runs into Casey Neistat regularly since they both work in the same building, and uh, her Creative Exchange podcast recently featured the one and only Gary Vaynerchuk. So she's uh, running into some pretty good company. So all that said, let's jump into it right now. All right, so Sarah DT, thanks for being on the Chasing Tone podcast. Thanks for having me. So I, um, just to kind of introduce the audience to everyone, uh, Sarah DT is a huge, gigantic YouTuber, monstrous YouTuber. Mid-tier, I would say. So, so... (laughs) I will. Um, I'll tell you where I first found where I first found your videos. Is mm-hmm. You did a Casey Neistat uh, video where you basically recru- you made one exactly in the style of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, you redid everything that he was doing at that time in, in his vlogs, um, and then he saw it apparently mm-hmm. and was talking about it, and it just looked like it. Blew- well, from the outside world, it just blew up from there. I'm sure yeah. there's a lot more that went on with it. Yeah, it went crazy viral. Um, and it was crazy because now I'll rewatch it and it's so cringe. If, <laughs> if you guys are new to me, go watch maybe a recent video that I've done because <laughs> maybe you feel this way. I don't know. You make videos, but even videos that are three years old, I feel like you develop as a video maker or a personality on camera so much that videos that are two years old are just so cringe sometimes. Right. You get more comfortable over time. Oh, totally. So totally. I like the first videos that I very first did. I was like, "Hi, I'm I'm, I'm Brian from Wampa you talk, Pedals." You talk so low, yeah. and, and you don't ever smile. <laughs> you know, you're just like, it looks like you hate your life. It does, you know. And as I was getting over it, people were like, "Are you on coke?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, this is just act. I'm literally yeah. this awkward all the time." Yeah. <laughs> Awkwardness is, you know, it's in. So I guess I think like all these TV shows and movies, like the dorks are winning, which I love. Thanks to Mark Zuckerberg. It's yeah. It's cool (laughs) to be into like technical stuff. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you, not only do you have the YouTube channel, of course, but you play guitar, which I would tell you, I I was watching because I'm a subscriber. Mm -hmm. So I was watching one of your videos that you were, uh, you bought your guitar gear back. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? She she <laughs> bought one of my one of my yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. I went into that guitar center, and it was so funny because they they get commission, right? When you buy, the, well, it's changed a lot. So guitar center now they may get a small percentage of what you buy. Okay. But it's not like a gigantic thing. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah. it was funny because when I walked in there, I don't know. I I feel like I don't look like a guitar player. I'm not the main demographic that's gonna walk into a guitar center and buy some stuff. And so like I had the hardest time getting help there. 
there. And when I would ask someone about something, they just didn't seem like they cared at all. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I found this one dude who was like very sweet and he was like answering a lot of my questions, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was funny because when it came to checkout time, like I went into Guitar Center and bought like four pedals. I bought a $1,700 amp. And it was so funny to see the other, like my the face on the first guy who like didn't help me. He was like, oh man. Oh, man. <laughs> like I dropped so much money, you know? And it, it was it was funny. Like, it's like, what happened to Guitar Center? I used to just like hang out in there and like people would be so chill. But maybe it was like a New York Guitar Center and maybe they don't care as much. I don't know. I, I had very poor customer I've, service. I've had, <laughs> I've had, uh, a range of different situations with guitar centers. So mm-hmm. I, I like to, I don't really like to go into guitar centers hanging out mm-hmm. necessarily, but when I have gone in there, some of them are really fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they have all kinds of gear and the guy behind the counter knows a lot about gear. Mm-hmm. And I've been in other guitar centers where the guy behind the counter, he doesn't even know the difference between a pedal and like a you know, keyboard. Right. And right, right. you're like, so you need a foot controller for a keyboard? I'm like, right. no. And usually the pedals, guitar pedals. Yeah, because usually guitar centers aren't cool, right? I mean, I remember right. when I was really into guitar and getting all my gear situated. Like you ordered boutique stuff online that like, oh, this one really cool person had. You know, you don't walk into a guitar center and buy like a boss pedal or a Bose pedal, whatever they're called. Boss. Boss? Yep. But I'm getting all the names wrong. <laughs> Not Wampler, guys. It's Wampler, okay? Um, and so when I found out that this new... So the Guitar Center in Midtown, New York City, Manhattan, is actually really cool. So they have some really cool, like, rare guitars that are, like, awesome. Um, and so that's why I went to that one. Um, so I'm trying to save my credibility with any of your listeners. If they're like, she's a noob. She shops at Guitar Center. It's a cool no, guitar center, guys. No, some of them are, are really cool. Yeah. So, and they sell our stuff. So if you don't like them, shut up. Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to kind of focus a little more on the creative side because I, I know a lot of the people listening to our podcast, um, they are, of course, guitar players, but they also uh, love just the, the concept of taking your creative creativity and doing something with it as well. Not necessarily like a business. So we do talk about business a little bit, but for the most part, it's um, how do I take my creativity and apply it to my life where it, I can affect more people with it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, so, and I know I've already went over some of these questions with you, so I'm going <laughs> to ask you again. So you start you started your life out in near Dallas, Texas. Yes, right? great fun Texas. And so I, I say Dallas because people know where Dallas is. Right. Um, but yeah, a, a suburb of Dallas, and I. It was a bubble. It was a nice place to grow up. Like my dad worked and my mom stayed at home. So if I forgot my lunch, my mom could like bring up my lunch. And she was like the first person in line waiting to pick me up. Like those are, I don't know. Those are like a lot of the things that I remember of like, like childhood. It's awesome just like, parents growing yeah, up. Yeah. Like awesome parents. Um, and you know, we weren't going to like Disney world every year, but like, we were covered, which was mm. awesome. It allowed me to like explore a lot of my uh, creative like pursuits. I mean, it started in sports, which really traditionally isn't creative, but I love basketball. But 
it started to change when I became obsessed with music and I started guitar lessons like in sixth grade, but in high school I was in a band and I, I started being more into music and I was playing every single week and I was playing at my church on the weekends. But then, you know, Sunday nights I was playing in like deep LM Dallas with my band and, um, it was so fun. Like it, I was recording, like we recorded a, a five song album, a little EP, and it was so fun. Like that's really when a lot of things kind of like unlocked in my brain in terms of creativity. Cause I was creating something out of nothing. Like that's the coolest feeling ever. And so once my band started needing music videos, I was like, Oh, my dad has a Canon T3i and I've been editing on the side a lot. And so I'd make like cover videos and music videos for my band. And so that's when video became a bigger part of my life. And I was like, I was traveling and making like recap videos. Uh, you know, my, my first video ever, you can still find on my channel is a video I made uh, about a full tone soul bender pedal right. because it, it was like this awesome fuzz and I had the version with the, they weren't silicon transistors, but what's the opposite? Germanium? Yeah. They had germanium transistors in it. And I knew that that was like special. Um, so I made a video about it and I played it, uh, played that pedal and I posted it to the gear page and I sold that sucker quick. Um, but what I didn't notice is I kept that YouTube video up and it was public and it randomly just like would get views. And I was like, what is this? Oh, people want to hear what this specific pedal sounds like. This is interesting. And so, yeah, it's funny. I'm talking to you. Cause like my YouTube started with a video about a pedal. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. So, and I forget, was that six years ago? <sighs> Two, uh, 2011 was 2011? my first okay. video ever. Seven years ago. Wow. Okay, so Crazy. so you were in your late teens. Mm -hmm. um, what what point made like you were playing basketball? I know you're really mm -hmm. serious into it. What made you decide, hey, I'm going to play guitar now? Yeah. A flip switched. I don't know. I like I'm really good at staying busy. So if I find something that I'm like I'm just more interested in, mm -hmm. I'm not. Like, I'm quick to kind of change gears. I mean, that was hard because basketball was my life. But the moment that, you know, we would have three to four hour practices every single day, two games a week where we would be on the basketball court from the moment school ended till like 9 p.m., um, I was doing all AP classes. So half of it was just stress. I mean, playing sports in high school and doing all AP classes is the worst <laughs> like it's right. very difficult and so half of it was just being stressed out of my mind it made something that was so fun for me basketball it made it not fun and then I was really into music on the side and I was getting more into it and so just in li the listing aspect yeah, of it. yeah yeah but I was playing so I, I had been playing for like five years up okay. until that point oh, okay okay yeah, so... Um, so it's not I, like you broke your foot or something and decided to buy a guitar. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, I played guitar, yeah, for probably, yeah, five years when I stopped basketball and I kind of went all in on music. And so it was always something in the back of my head, but it wasn't until then that I was like, I owe it to myself to do something that I actually like to do. Mm -hmm. And so I switched to music and it was a freaking blast, but you know, when it time, when it came time to pivot to video, when I wasn't really into music that much, it was something that 
I was doing on the side during music. So like I'm always doing stuff on the side. And so when it comes time to like pivot or switch, it's a pretty easy like switch for me. Gotcha. So what made you decide to move to Nashville from there? Because you, you went to college for a few years for mm -hmm. electrical engineering. Yes. And, yeah. and you even built some pedals and I worked in a, in a shop working on amps and pedals. Yeah. So shout out to Earheart Electronics if you end up listening to this somehow in Arlington, Texas. Um, so I was in school for electrical engineering for three years. And the second year, I got a job at an electronic shop. And I really properly learned how to, like, solder things and learned, you know, about stuff that I was learning in textbooks. And it applied it to the real world. But that's where I figured out that I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't enjoy this at all. This is not fun. I love music. I love playing it. But I don't care how these things are made. I just want to play them. And so once I kind of figured that out, I was like, Hmm. So I switched my major to computer science after two years of electrical engineering. So sorry, I hate to interrupt you. Yeah, no, 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 I, I got to yeah. ask you this. So did you take electrical engineering just because you wanted to work on pedals and amps? I mean, that was in the back of my mind. So for half of it, the first half, was I'm good at math and science. Like that was always my strength in school. Um, and the school that I was attending in Texas or whatever, they had a lot of scholarships for engineering. So I was like, I got a good ACT score. I graduated top 10% in my class. Like I busted my butt in high school to like get a scholarship in college. So I didn't have to pay for college. So half of it was like, okay, I need to pick any of these engineering degrees in order to go to school for free. So that was half of it. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds fancy when you go back to, you know, when you're with your family in Christmas and they ask you what they're doing. I'm an electrical engineer, <laughs> you know? And it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good. And they make a good salary. So it's like, oh, okay, whatever. And then the other half in the back of my mind why I chose specifically electrical was I had that overlap of I love, uh, like electronics were a big part of my life with guitar. And, uh, you know, I love just like, replacing the tubes in my tube amp and like i mean that has nothing to do with you know nitty-gritty stuff but i love just like the hands-on aspect yeah. of changing the sound yeah yeah, yeah yeah and so i thought i was going to be super interested in that but um didn't turn out to be that way but that's why it's so important that when you you're been in college pedals, i, I could have you, know? you know but i think i could have started my youtube channel <laughs> We'd yeah. be sitting right here and I'd be, we'd talk, exactly. be talking about DG pedals. Exactly. But I think that's why it's so important when you're in college or when you're young trying to figure out your purpose in life to not only like either just go in school and read a book or read a textbook, but like to go out and apprenticeship or yeah. to actually work because that's where I figured out that this is not for me. I do you not like this. You in and you're like, this sucks. Yeah, not exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's a really good way to figure out like what you're what you're actually into. So I changed to computer science and then I just wanted to get out of Texas. <laughs> like again, Texas is a great place to grow up, like be a kid and to grow up. But, um, there's not much going on in terms of like creative stuff. Right. And so I was into music. I had a lot of friends that lived in Nashville. So I was like, let's move to Nashville. My parents were, you know, okay, Sarah, you, you gotta like finish college while you're out there. So let's figure that out. And I was like, fine so i went to belmont which is actually like a music school in yeah, Nashville. yeah great school in yeah and it was cool and like there's a lot of cool people there so that's why i kind of was like oh yeah it's fine but like 
I was studying computer science in like at Belmont, Nashville, Tennessee. Like that's so random. Right. Um, I mean, most people go to that school for like music for music. management. Exactly. Mm, yeah. Exactly. And that's why I was interested because in the back of my mind, I'm like, I, I still want to do something with music, but in behind the scenes, I was doing a lot of video stuff. I was like freelancing. I was doing weddings. I was making like boring, uh, you know, like interview pieces for companies, like just set up two cameras on a tripod. So I was doing a lot of video stuff behind the scenes. Um, and Nashville is really cool. And I had a list of people that I wanted to meet and collaborate with. And within the first six months, I like climbed the Nashville ladder of the people who I wanted to meet. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, is this it? Like, cause I didn't want to make music videos for country music stars. Right. And if you don't want to do that, like, mm, and you're not playing in a band or anything right. like Nashville kind of ran its course for me. Um, it's like moving to Las Vegas and not want to be a part of gambling. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it got kind of like, okay, well what's next? And that's how I ended up in New York. But the one person I will say that I didn't meet in Nashville that still to this day, I need to have lunch or coffee with is freaking Haley Williams the lead singer of Paramore. Mm -hmm. So she's been like my hero for so long in life that I swore I was like, okay, I'm in Nashville. I'm in Franklin. I'm like, I have to run into Haley Williams at some point. And I ran into, um, oh, I think her name's uh, Joy, Joy Williams or something. Joy, uh, she was a part of the Civil Wars. Did you ever listen to them? Huh. Really good like duo. I ran into her at a Target. She's good friends with Haley. But I, I was running into people randomly. I was just, like, emailing and tweeting people and, like, then collaborating. It was really – it was a great experience. So I got I got what I came for with the Nashville scene. But you hit a wall when right. you don't want to do the typical Nashville thing. So that was how many years ago? Two years ago? Two and a half. Two, two and a half, half years, years ago. ago. So – what were you going through whenever, like, because I'm sure at that age, mm -hmm. you're probably thinking, like, do I really want to make this big change to New York City? Or, like, am I making a mistake? Oh, yeah. It was, I mean like, it was the most stressful time in my life by far. I was on the phone with my mom for hours every single day. Half the time I was in tears because I'm like, oh, I don't want to let you down. But, like, I... You know, it's it's scary. It's still scary to drop out of college. Like, I had invested three and a half years of my life into it. But in my brain, it would be so much more tragic to waste another year and a half. Like, I kept saying, do you know how long, like, that is so much time to just, like, go and kill it or just go and, and, and I always said, like, I don't want to be a 21 year old then I was 21 I don't want to be like a 21 year old already living for like my plan b if you're so young and you're already living for that fallback life of well I'll just be a computer scientist maybe have a six-figure salary like start a family and die like you know right. that's so crazy if you're already thinking about that when you're like 20 right like you owe it to yourself to at least you know go for your hopes and dreams but so that was kind of like where I was coming from, but it was still stressful. You still have the stress of like disappointing your parents or what are your peers going to think? Um, and you know, like during the time I literally was just living off of PB and J's and freaking, uh, ramen noodles. Uh, I, I didn't do ramen noodles, but you know, I ate, I let it, I ate a lot of oatmeal, which was like not healthy. I ate a lot of oatmeal and PB and J's <laughs> so bad. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was, 
kind of that weird, confusing part of my life. But I will tell you the moment I just, I was done with it. It was the most like freeing thing ever. Just making that final decision. Just making like, that I'm like, I'm done. It. I'm done. And it was so funny because my, my mom was the most supportive just cause she, you know, she was on this phone call. She knew what I was going through. She knew I, I wasn't, you know, sitting on the couch eating Cheetos. I was out there making videos and I was like pursuing what I actually wanted to do outside of school. So she like, she's like, Oh, okay. Um, but she was just like, Sarah, just finish out the semester. Like just finish it, you know? So if you ever do want to come back, you'll at least have a semester. Cause one semester at Belmont is $15,000. I no longer had my scholarship money. So I literally paid that semester out of pocket and then I was out of money. Like, I I had, you know, I had a little college mutual fund, um, but one semester at Belmont and all the books I had to buy throughout college just wiped me clean. So after one semester, financially, it didn't make sense either. I'm like, I'm not going into debt for something that I absolutely hate. Like, what's the point of that? And so, um, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even finish semester. I, I literally, I told my mom, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't even show up to finals. Like <laughs> the moment that the flip switched in my head, I was like, all right, I'm done. Like it started with going to class, but just completely falling asleep the entire time, just sleeping. Cause I was up late, probably editing. And then I just like started trickling out of the classes. I would only go to like one or two classes mm-hmm. and I just wouldn't go at all. And like teachers would be emailing me and be like, do you, like you've been absent for the past like 10 days. Like, are you okay? What's going on? And so I should probably like pull up those emails. Cause I had to email every one of my teachers and literally just be like, I don't want to do this. I am going to go pursue video and I'm not showing up next semester. So goodbye. Like I literally just emailed them. I was like, I won't be at finals. I'm sorry. Bye. <laughs> It was the best feeling ever. So what were you telling them? I'm going to go be a YouTuber. Or were you saying I'm going to pursue Wouldn't that be funny like if that's what I production? said? Yeah. I need to look up those emails. But um, yeah, it was just like I'm not I'm gonna... sure they're like, what? I know. Like, it's like going to play video games for a living. I know. I'm sure Belmont has probably, a lot of probably, turnover, yeah. though, with these musicians who come through and then are probably like, I can just be a musician. I don't yeah. need it's Belmont. It's probably different than like Indiana University, exactly. which is a big business school. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Nashville. Nashville's beautiful, though. I, I enjoyed Franklin more than anything. I could see... Franklin is beautiful. Oh, my God, it's beautiful. Yeah. I could see one day living out there, but that'll probably never happen. <laughs> but when I was there, I was like, I want to raise a family here. Franklin, Tennessee. So you And you played a lot in church there, uh, yeah. in Nashville, right? In, in the Franklin area? So mainly in... That was more of my, like, Texas scene. So I did attend... Did I play... In Nashville, I don't know if I actually ever played in Nashville because college was so insane. Um, but in Dallas, I was really involved at my church there. I went to like mm-hmm. Fellowship Church and Grapevine. Um, and so, yeah, I was like always playing on the weekends. I was playing on Wednesdays when I was in high school for the youth. And that's where I like learned how to play in a band. But I also attribute so much of like leadership skills and all of that stuff to just like being in this like tight knit unit of, you know, people and also learning how to play in a band. I mean, that's such a big thing in itself, but right. then once you start to also have leadership roles within that band, you're like counting in the band to things and, uh, 
you know, just leading out. the drummer to stay in time. Exactly. <laughs> Listen to the click. The click. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I would, I would just have nightmares and hear a metronome in my nightmare. So in, uh, in your videos, though, you play a lot of John Mayer stuff. It's the only thing that I remember how to play. This is, I'm watching the videos going, what chord is that? How did she do that? <laughs> there, there was a time where I knew other stuff. Um, cause you know, I was consistently playing, but I legitimately did not play guitar for like two and a half years for the past two or three years. Um, and then I was like, you know, I want to kind of get back into guitar just for fun. I think I have my life in lockdown a little bit. I could have a hobby. So that's when I bought back my guitar gear and, um, the John Merlicks just came, came through. It's the only, only stuff I remember. I, I would sit down and listen to where the light is like his live, uh, live where the light is live in LA album. Um, and just so intently listen to all of his guitar and still to this day, the only song that I cannot master is the intro of neon. Have you, have you heard the, he's, his stuff is so ridiculous. He's got the most, he's got the craziest fingers. Oh my My gosh. My fingers just do not do that. It is insane. And the thing with John Mayer, like what you were saying earlier as well is yeah, he's a great guitar player, but he has mastered the right hand so much to where it's his right hand is almost as crazy. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. So he's not just finger picking or strumming like, like most guitarists. I want you to like live react to this. Cause it's insane. Good evening. That style is—it's almost like a juicy blazy, uh, juicy blazy. It's a, new, <laughs> it's a new type of style. It's very juicy, a little blazy, yeah. uh, very jazzy but bluesy thing. Right. And and I've seen him do that so much, especially just like like YouTube stuff where he's just messing around. I just in the same way that some people can't sweet pick, which I can't do, mm-hmm. or shred, which I can't do. Yeah, I can't do that I can't, either. I can't shred, but I, for so long. You so pull I that have, stuff off, though. I have I've half heard you pull of that stuff it. Off. Yeah, I have half. But John Merritt is the one who really taught me how to use my right hand. And, like, a lot of times I don't even play with a pick mm-hmm. because just the, I like, he blew my mind so much when I started to dissect how he was doing what he was doing. And I would watch, you know, on videos that he would post or whatever live things. It was just like, I didn't even know you could, that's, you could do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I attribute my guitar skills to John Mayer, but I don't have a very versatile <laughs> background of players. It's literally uh, just John Mayer. <laughs> so a friend of mine, uh, Zosine Carney, 
um, used to play with John. Yeah. And wait, what era? Um, this this has been I don't know maybe three years ago something okay. like that. So post continuum. Yeah, yeah, it was after yeah. that. Yeah, um, and he so he always goes to Nam. We mm -hmm. do these guitar shows called Nam. And he he can he nails it so much. Mm -hmm. You swear it's John. I mean, it's just that's so it's cool. just ridiculous. He, so he'll play stuff, and I'm just like, slow that way yeah, down. That's so <laughs> cool. Like, I need to I need to learn that. Yeah. That's just crazy. No, yeah, I love. So. And it, yeah, I mean, it sucks that he put out. It doesn't suck because oh my god, like the era of Continuum and then his life in L.A. where the light is. That was like such a beautiful, sweet spot, and like that's when I guess he was at his top. Um, all of the albums that he just put out after that. I So I... Do you listen to John Mayer? Like, if I... I, I like the live stuff better. Well, uh, bits and pieces. Yeah, I mean, so the it's album... it's going to have guitar stuff into it for Yeah. Me the album that... Battle Studies was good, but the album that he put after that, it was the album where he, like, freaking moved to Montana and, like, became a cowboy. Yeah. I forgot what it was called, but I was so disappointed by the album. And it's like, I guess, where do you go from... Con Continuum, like the only way is down, but that was such a disappointing. <laughs> I almost see when people do that. I look at it as then it's kind of a story of their life, mm -hmm. like their life is evolving and changing, and they're just trying to figure out what it, right. where they fit in there. Right. And so I, and I feel that way with a lot of artists that I'll, I'll listen to something, I'll, I'll like one album and then the next album completely blows. And like, I don't know what was going on, but they weren't a good place there. Right, right. And then the next album, like they start getting back on track. Yeah. Um, I can't name any names, but there's some definite <laughs> ones that come to my mind. That way. Yeah. Well, in the pop world, the last Katy Perry album, complete <laughs> garbage, which is so sad because she's put out so much good stuff, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I guess people, but then you hate to say that when they very obviously probably spent so much of time on it and right. it is a piece of art. So it's like, Oh, I hate critiquing people because right. it probably took her so long to produce that. But at the same time, it's bad. <laughs> it's very bad. Okay. So I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit and, um, ask you some more questions about being the, uh, you know, the YouTube thing, right? YouTuber. I, I know you've answered these Content a times. Content creator. Um, so, so, okay, you moved from Nashville to Tennessee. Or Nashville to Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty hard. You moved from Nashville to New York City. Mm -hmm. um, you're now currently working in the same building-ish that Casey Neistat mm -hmm. works from. So that's got to be exciting yep. you know, from a creative perspective. Yep. And, See him in the elevator. Yeah. Yep. What's up? Um, what, so I guess, let me ask you this, that that's some, just that there is an achievement that a lot of your fan, a lot of people like you mm -hmm. and your fans and, um, other creators would love to be able to be in that situation. Mm -hmm. What would, so what would you tell them? Let's say they're, they're a senior in high school right now and they're like, I want to be like, mm -hmm. I want to be like these famous YouTubers. I want to be the next Casey Neistat or I want to be yeah. the, the next Sarah Dietrich or whatever. What, what would you tell them where to start yeah. other than like get to know your craft better than anyone right, else? Right, right, right. Um, yeah, it would be totally. So Casey, he's like this insane beast of a human that 
I'm sure works on like a different level that no one can understand. Um, and definitely in numbers, I wouldn't lump myself with him. So my advice would probably be different. Like if you want to be like Casey Neistat, don't sleep and don't do anything other than what you want to do in life, but you might be miserable. So I will say advice coming from me would be like one, figure out what your thing is, but like, that's not enough, right? Like what, how we talked about like passion what you're passionate about in my podcast, like it's not enough to just be passionate about something. Oh my gosh. Okay. You love guitar playing. Well, what makes you unique? You know, so this is a good point, but this is, you have the creative exchange podcast, Yeah, Yeah, which which you really talk about a lot of these types of things Mm -hmm. with all different types of people from all different types of industries, including Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. 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 So I launched podcast first, uh, podcast episode I did was Gary Vaynerchuk, which was awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say it's not enough just to be passionate about something or like even to hone in on that craft, but you have to do something that makes you unique. Like YouTube is a very saturated platform right now. And yes, anything is possible. You can still make it on YouTube. However, you have to like, what makes you unique when I just started out and I was starting a lot of my like docu-series stuff in 2013, it wasn't a thing to show your creative process online. Like that wasn't a thing. So for people to come and see not only my creative process, but these kind of like short docu-series I was making about photographers and filmmakers and painters and all these people, I was showing their process like that was really cool and unique and it wasn't being done at the time. And so the moment that oh, I have more eyes on my stuff. It's like, oh, she's not just a vlogger, but like she's doing all of this X, Y, and Z. And so, yeah, I would definitely just hone in to like what makes you unique. Like startups always have to, like I, I, so I'd love like podcasts that have to do with startup culture or building a business or whatever. And there's a podcast called The Pitch where, you actually hear the pitch of a startup pitching to investors. Hmm. And the question that investors always ask is what is your unique or what is your unfair advantage? What is your unfair advantage? Like what makes this startup, like why is it going to work? And why do you have an edge on the market? And so I think you have to think about that in every single way. If you're an artist, if you're a filmmaker, a photographer, whatever you are, like what is your unfair advantage? Right. What is your unique perspective that the world actually wants to see or hear or feel? Right. Gotcha. So what is it like being a popular YouTuber? Do you I mean, do you go mm-hmm. walk around and people are like, Oh my God, <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, I, I will say being in the same building as Casey, it's really funny too. I do run into people here sometimes, but my favorite thing ever is like, I write the boosted word a lot as well. So right. I'll like go grab my sweet green salad and I'll be boosting back and they'll hear a boosted board and they'll turn around. So excited you know, so excitedly and then seeing the disappointment in their eyes <laughs> because they think, that it's, is, Casey. Cause they think it's Casey and it's actually me. I'm like, it's just Sarah guys. <laughs> so that happens a lot, but no, like what it's like, it's so not, it's just like, I work 24 seven, like I love it, but it's literally filming, editing, figuring out what's next 24 seven. There's like no time to really stop, you know? Um, 
which is like what I signed up for. I, I really enjoy it. And, um, but it's not this like, maybe it's different. It's different from YouTuber to YouTuber. I mean, these like LA beauty or maybe like fancy vlogger people who are going out and just buying like Gucci every day in their vlogs and stuff. Like, um, it's definitely more of like the grind. And that's what I love about like East coast is I think people aren't interested in flexing as they are just building. And that's what I love about New York is the friends I have, the people who surround me, it's all about like, Hey, what are you working on? What's your next project? How can I help? How can we like grow together? And it's always like, all right, on to the next thing. And it's so fun. Like there's not, I don't know. There's not time to, mope around or anything because it's constant it's like okay uh this isn't working so let's do this and let's move on with our lives there's there's always something to do here and always something that's really encouraging uh for creative people if you have the right yeah right right group of people around you since you are in this unique position what are the what are the things that you and maybe others in your position struggle with like what's your day-to-day struggles versus you know um the I would say in air quotes the average person who's right. going to their job and you know they may have a, two yeah. kids that are screaming and they the biggest struggle is like that there is the most consistent thing is that there's no consistency so just like this week in the past few weeks like I am taking on the like building my dream space in New York which is so exciting like I have these four white walls that I can do whatever I want with as an office in New York which is like the dream right but YouTube never stops and you're constantly doing things and constantly meeting up with people and like trying to figure out what to do that there's not much time to just stop and figure things out and the juggle of also doing bigger projects, you always want to do something like bigger and better. Right. But then you also have to be consistent with your regular upload schedule, which is really hard. So, uh, I mean, just personally, something I've been struggling with really recently is I'm trying to do all these things, right. I'm trying to like build out my new office. I'm trying to, um, do another docu-series. I'm trying to also like, I'm going on a vacation soon, which is exciting, but like, uh, ah, that's scary. You know, <laughs> being disconnected, that's not something that you really can do. Right. And so like kind of all these things are converging at one time and I'm making videos for like, you know, for that are going to premiere in like a month or whatever. It's very hard to think ahead. And right. I think that's the biggest struggle because when you, when other things pop up, it's almost like you have to completely stop other things because it's just you. A lot of times YouTubers are just one person. And I think that's, that's what I'm, that's my next step is like trying to build a team around me. So when those things happen, everything doesn't have to come to a complete halt because that's the most stressful thing is like a lot of these YouTubers and me included, it's just one person. So it's really hard to keep up with the expectation of your viewers if you want to do anything else. <laughs> right. Gosh. Okay. So what's, uh, what's your five year and 10 year goals? You think? Whoa. Let's see. Five-year plan. I Hopefully, I'll still be in New York. I love New York. You'll be playing in a band at the time. I will be in a famous band, and I'll be touring the world as a <laughs> guitar player. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to happen. But, I mean, like, music is still a really big part of who I am and, like, what I love to do. So, who knows um, in regards to just, like, business? Who knows? 
Um, but in 10 years, I would love to be less reliant on my face for things. You know, I would love to like build out whatever I'm doing, you know, this little production company I have going on over here. That's just me. I would really love to build it out to more than just me and for it to be not so reliant on just the Sarah show. Right. Which is like, that's what makes you unique on the platform is your personality. That's why people come to you. But at the same time, you can't scale when it's just you. Right. So that's the biggest like, okay, in 10 years, I'm going to be able to take a vacation without even blinking. <laughs> but right now, like, I don't need to right. take, I don't need to worry about this stuff right now. Like, you don't need to sleep when you're 23. <laughs> you know? That's true. You have plenty of time to sleep. Yeah. Later. So... All right. Well, I think that's about everything I have to uh, pick your brain about. Yes, thanks so for having me on. Incredibly fascinating, uh, coming from a totally different perspective mm-hmm. with you know not only guitar-related things, but more of figuring out a creative way to uh, um, have a better life. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on. And thanks so much for listening to the Chasing Tone podcast. If you like this podcast, you can support us by leaving a review on iTunes, sharing the podcast with a friend that might enjoy it. If you have any questions or comments, please email me at podcast at So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.